Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of the faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria. Today is the first Sunday after Pentecost, and since maybe around the 8th century, the Feast of the Most Blessed Trinity. Having said that, yesterday's liturgy, the Saturday in the octave of Pentecost, is so beautiful that I will use those readings to preach to you this morning. Yesterday had many extra lessons, but we'll just have the three points. The first point is this. What are the signs of the coming of the Messiah in the Old Testament? Point two, how does Christ show himself to be that Messiah in the New Testament? And then point three, how do you and I fit into that whole plan? Those are the three points for today, all from yesterday's readings. First point. Remember, Almighty God summoned Holy Prophet Moses to Mount Sinai, and to prepare him for that, he had to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. On the top of Mount Sinai, he revealed to Holy Father Moses many things. This is one of them, God speaking directly to Moses. I shall pitch my tent in your very midst, and my soul shall not depart from you. I shall walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. Very profound. Hopefully, you're thinking already of the paradise in Genesis chapter 3, because where God walks in the midst of his people is already the paradise. Of course, we fell out of that first one, but God promises it again I will pitch my tent in your very midst and walk among you. And of course, as you know, that is fulfilled many different times in salvation history. Point being is that the land, the land flowing with milk and honey, as I've said to you before, is not something you hold title to in the county clerk's office. So those people in the modern nation-state of Israel who think that that is the case, are very much mistaken. Because the promised land that was promised to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Holy Father Moses and the Israelites is the land where God dwells, which is in the heart. Holy Prophet Joel, centuries after uh, Holy Prophet Moses, God speaks to him in these words. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, that is to say all creation. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. 
Your young men shall see visions, and even your servants and handmaids, upon them in those days I will pour out my spirit. So just in case you missed it, the promised land of the promise of the Spirit of God, even in the Old Testament, is not given to one race or one tribe or one sex, male or female, or one class of people, fancy people or serving people. It's given to all flesh. That was the promise in the Old Testament in its purest form. Good. Point two. Christ, the Greek word in Latin is the same, meaning the Messiah in Hebrew, the anointed one. Many, many times Christ fulfills these Old Testament prophecies about his person. First, let's go in order. What about that Leviticus reading that I started with? This, what about this pitching the tent in the middle of where you are business? Well, if you take the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, and you look at that passage, and you look at the Greek of the last gospel, which we pray at almost every Mass at the very end, you will know what's happening. Here the Latin is not so good. It pains me to say that. At any rate, right at the last gospel, at the genuflection, right? Verbum caro factum est. Et avitavit in nobis. Et avitavit is not so good. The Word was made flesh and pitched his tent among us. So there it is. I won't bore you with these stories from the Holy Land, but I did offer Mass in the cave in Bethlehem, where, where our Lord uh, was born. And it's very nice. And instead of saying et verbum caro factum est, it adds a word. It says big capitals. Verbum caro eek factum est. And the word of God was made flesh here. It's very nice. So Jesus gets a little bigger. And then we go to St. Luke's Gospel from yesterday. And I'll read this passage and it'll make little comments as we go. So this is all in how Christ is fulfilling the prophecies. Then Jesus arose up from the synagogue and went into Simon Peter's house. So those things still exist. You can go visit them. The synagogue is here. Simon Peter's house is like not even as far as across the street. So it's just a short little walk. It's kind of nice. Now, Simon Peter's mother-in-law suffering from a great fever, and they sought Jesus' help for her. Standing over her, he rebuked the fever, and it left her. She rose at once and began to serve them at the table. 
Now, when the sun was setting, all who had persons sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands upon each of them and cured them. Which is paused there. So, as you know, one of the signs that the Messiah is present is this miraculous power to heal, obviously. But not really the infirmities of body. He does do that, but it's to be a sign of something more profound. Next sentence. And the devils also came out of many. Mm-hmm crying out, saying, Thou art the Son of God. And he rebuked them and did not permit them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. That is the sign of the Messiah, that the sins, uh, the bonds, not of political oppression, but the bonds of interior oppression, of the bonds of sin that we make for ourselves, that God, Christ, the Son of God, breaks those. Only the Son of God can do that. And then it goes on. Okay, so that happened up in Galilee, of course, as you know. All right. Point three, then. What are these uh, 24 weeks of Pentecost all about, anyway? We've had six months, roughly, from Advent through Pentecost Octave, and now we have these next six months. Yes. So, (laughs) these weeks of Pentecost are, of course, the time for the Holy Ghost, the seven uh, gifts of the Holy Ghost, to become more rooted and operative in your life and in my life. That's what this is about. That's what this time is for. That's what God gives you these next six months. Otherwise, we just have Advent again. <laughs> okay. So, if hopefully you've looked or had the opportunity at least to read the proper Masses for every day in Pentecost that we had. If you didn't, well, you can go read them again. Or... Also, you can, to add to that, please do, I invite you to really encourage you strongly to listen to those beautiful meditations of uh, Brother Aliyah that I sent out in the email, a link to. Every day he posts a little um, reflection, a meditation. It's very scripturally based and it's very beautiful, accompanied with also beautiful music. And so it really can be a nice eight minute, you know, six-minute, ten-minute little prayer period to give you a little uh, push, to give you something for your meditation period. So if you go, well, I don't have time or interest or ability, well, I think everyone now can click. I think babies even do this now. They click on the iPad or whatever. So everyone can just click. And then you have a pre-made beautiful music and meditation much better than I can give to you. And then Ask the Holy Spirit to help you in your prayer. Okay. St. Paul. St. Paul, kind of meditating on this, uh, this is the epistle from yesterday from Romans chapter 5, and this is about how you and I enter into these 24 weeks of Pentecost. St. Paul. Having been justified by faith, 
Let us have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into that grace in which we stand. Sanctifying grace, the indwelling of the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. And we exult in the hope of the glory of the children of God. Pause again. So that's the already of the already and not yet of the kingdom of God, right? St. Paul says even now, the Pentecost is now. It's not 2,000 years ago. The Pentecost is now. Now is the love of God shed abroad in your hearts. The not yet is, is that we're not perfectly saints yet. And so other things happen. St. Paul continues. Not only this, not only the now of the Spirit now, but also the not yet part. And so we exult, St. Paul says, in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces patience, patience, tested virtue, and tested virtue produces hope. And this is the hope that does not disappoint for the charity or love of God is poured forth in our hearts. By the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So that's the plan. That's the divine plan for your life and for my life and also the divine plan that's expressed in the liturgy. So for these next 24 weeks, uh, we'll be kind of meditating on these things at uh, greater length. God bless you and Ave Maria.